Hey everybody, welcome to Cinema Hangover Podcast, where three completely unqualified individuals drink and talk about movies. I am Oliver, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Shannon and Taylor. Woo! Hello. Yeah. And uh, we have a, I mean we say this every time, but we have a special wine. Yes, we do actually. So for tonight, we're drinking a dessert wine, and it's titled Vincento Santorini. It's apparently wine of Greece. And, uh, shit, Oliver actually took the first taste, so how is it? It's good. Oh, is it really? It's way more expensive than anything we normally have on this table. Is it? Ooh, that's some rich taste. Ooh, yeah, it's sweet. It has an evolving flavor, too. Ooh, so good. Sorry. Yeah, no. (laughs) That's not my kind of wine. Oh, really? Definitely dessert wine. Yeah, super sweet. It's like should have made some dessert with this. Right, like some cheesecake or something? Yeah. It would be good with, like, a really... I think it would be good with a really, like, sharp cheese. Like, if you had, like, some aged, aged, Mm -hmm. like, to contrast it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, like, a melted brie with honey, hot honey. I don't think, I don't know that's something sweet. You'd want to have something sweet with this. This is already super sweet. Oh, yeah, and just to let you know, we've actually become, like, extra bougie as a result of, like, what was it, all this, like, uh, drink testing and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. now we've just entered our bougie phase. <laughs> yeah, now we're just <laughs> drinking the expensive stuff. Exactly, exactly. We've hit it, man. We, we finally hit the top. <laughs> <laughs> this was actually a gift. So <laughs> we would probably spent the money on this if it wasn't a gift. But it right. is, it's, I'm, I'm liking it. Yeah, no, it's actually It's a nice. sipping wine. It's oh, like for a dessert sure. in itself. Yeah. But. Yeah, you don't, like... I was up. all worried that we only had one bottle, but I think, I think that'll be just, just fine. fine. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing when it comes down to dessert wines or ports or anything of that category. It's that when you get into it, you understand immediately, like, oh, shit, yeah, I'm sipping the fuck out of this. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like too rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like it's a like syrup. A whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> in terms of that caliber, yeah. In terms of, like, it makes you not have to gulp it down, you know? But yeah, uh, outside of just going way too deep into, like, wine and stuff. <laughs> this is now be... the wine podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, what movie are we talking about today? Today we are talking about After Sun. Ooh. Um, I was trying to figure out how to give a synopsis about this. I think I'm just going to do like a very basic synopsis. Yeah. Um, this movie is kind of just like a coming of age movie about a father and daughter on, it seems like maybe she's like reflecting back on her memories on their last vacation together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're from the UK, so they call it holiday. She's eleven, and they're he's holiday. Thirty, th- turning thirty-one, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so he's a young dad, and she—it's over her summer break. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and they and are going on holiday together. Yeah, seems like maybe this is something that they do every year or every so often, and that's I... kind of the only time they see each other. And she's reflecting back on this trip. Well. Just, just a. That's get, just like the base. Yeah. So yeah. obviously, it's a lot deeper I, than that. Oh, yeah, sure. I don't. It's, it's, um, it's not necessarily like your traditional story arc. Really, it's kind of just like a collection of memories. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, that have like greater story to them, but because of that, I don't really know that you can spoil it so much. Not but really. we can theorize about it, and I think that will be a spoiler in itself. So I don't know that there's much really like go into yeah because nothing is like for sure answered in this movie no like you it's said, all it's up all, to interpretation yeah and it's all 
theories. It's I all, think. a lot. This film oh. is definitely another one that I would definitely fit into the category of very fucking subtle mm-hmm. in terms of Super what subtle. it's trying to uh, tell and explore. Because this film is capturing one of the hallmarks of film mediums of where it's like a snippet in time and trying to capture a very relevant moment for the main characters that stands out and what and it's trying to explore its significance. It's from her perspective, but yeah. you do get to see other other things too. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that this yeah it, it's this so this movie reminds me a lot of this is like the coming of age or or kids kid not kids version because it's not really like a kid movie necessarily but like a kid spot it, it, <laughs> um, of like the before trilogy it reminds me a lot of that ooh yeah I still need to watch that before you you definitely should yeah. but um I also got to I have to point out one other thing is that we actually just watched this yeah all it's three like of us watched it together like, like we just watched ago. it yeah like ten mm-hmm. minutes ago. We finished watching it and we sat down at the table. Um, I don't know about you guys, but like it kind of is a bit of a gut punch. So I'm feeling pretty low, <laughs> low energy. Like it's, yeah. yeah I mean, it's ooh. it's a yeah. I it's mean, also one of those movies, and I think we've done this before, where we've gone from couch to table and mm-hmm. talked about it. And I don't know if it necessarily is the best idea mm-hmm. for this type of movie because because um, yeah. I do feel like. I would rather kind of stew in my thoughts for like a day or two before talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I we, we've done that before. I think we've watched. I can't remember which movie which movie it was, but well, think, it gives me the idea that this could be an opportunity for. Um, this is just a thought. Like maybe down the line, we might do an episode of looking back at films that we've discussed and see if we've changed our thoughts about them. Mm-hmm. And this could be an opportunity for it because the one other film we've done a immediate from couch to podcast recording was like everything everywhere at once. And that was, you know, fascinating exploring. And mm-hmm, as yeah. time goes by, you definitely start to appreciate it more. I recently saw it again uh, a few weeks ago with a friend of mine. And it's really nice seeing how much the film still holds up mm-hmm. and yeah. some of the things that you may have missed. I think there's so merit to, to, to both. I think our reactions oh, yeah. right now are going to be like the immediate reaction that we had to it. We probably, I think it's a movie that definitely is, it is very subtle. So that mm-hmm. there's, although it's kind of like straightforward in what it's talking about, there's a lot kind of going on. There's yeah. a lot to chew on and like unpack. Mm-hmm. So I think that what this session of this recording of the podcast will be is kind of just like our first thoughts, our yeah. feelings, our first impressions of it. Um, maybe some like moments that really stick out to us. Mm. But there's a lot, I honestly wish... So normally on the podcast, what we would do, we would like watch the movie once probably, and then watch it again before we did the podcast. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is it gives me the opportunity to take notes because I'm not trying to focus on the movie as much. And this mm-hmm. is a movie that I really wish before the podcast, podcast I had taken notes because there's a lot of stuff in this that stuck out to me. And I, I wanted to note it, but I wanted to watch the movie, obviously, like consume it first without having my attention get pulled away from it. But yeah, I think this would be a good episode, like a good movie to revisit again. Oh yeah, and see how we mm-hmm. feel. I absolutely agree, and I think as a result of, I think from our experiences of watching films previously and some of the, I would say emphasis on analyzing things and trying to figure out the subtleties and meanings behind it. Like it, at least from my perspective, it really forced me to like pay attention to every detail that I could in order right. to extrapolate as much as I can from the film and what it's trying to tell and what it's trying to explore. And yeah, I would just say, um, you know, if 
there are any spoilers, uh, I would say might as well say dive into it. Yeah, yeah so gonna, I don't really like, know if there's like spoilers. I think the biggest air quote spoiler is just like our theory of what happens, yeah. so, which we don't know. It's pretty heavily implied. Yeah, yeah. it's so, pretty heavily implied. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just about to dive into my theory. Yeah. So, yeah. I one thing I kind of want to say is that yeah. everybody, everybody keeps saying like this is a coming of age story, but like I don't it know. Is. It, it kind of is, but like I think that's it's just, just like, as much. Is there a better? A well, better term that you would use, I think it's. It's. I don't think it is, but I think that that's the closest is, term yeah, to describe. It is, but this it's like, you gotta fit into a something genre, that yeah. I yeah. something that I didn't really expect. Maybe it is a coming of age story, but it, it's something that I didn't really expect from this movie. Was it's kind of like a coming of age story for both the daughter and the dad. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's which is I didn't really expect going into it. You're very much like the daughter is going through her. Like maybe preteens or early, she's eleven, but yeah, she's kind of like figuring things out that all of us go through. But then the dad is also thirty-one, and he's very much going through a very like a parallel journey, mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. in that he is like also trying to figure out what it means to be an adult, like be a young dad, figure out life. He's obviously it's alluded to that he's kind of struggling financially or struggling in his his life. Obviously, like he's struggling with it seems like depression mm-hmm. and struggling with seems like suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. um very subtly but it is heavily implied that he actually kills himself at Mm -hmm. at the end of this um and so there's a parallel between the two of them and that they are both kind of trying to figure out life and that they are both kind of trying to just figure out how to do this thing yeah the additional thought that came into mind when trying to see the you know other elements that is behind the story, like say, for instance, when the adult version of Sophie pops up and she's in this space where it's like she's in a party or a rave and she sees her father. I was trying to see like if the film was actually going to have like a segment where it really emphasizes where she's at at the current time. But instead, that's like the smallest portion of the film. You only get Mm -hmm. a glimpse of what's going on. So Based on what you can interpret, you know, she's in a relationship with a woman and they might have a kid. I'm not, I'm still trying to figure out if the kid, like, I think it, they do. I think okay. They do. I was trying to make sure, like, it wasn't just part of flashback seeping into the current, but I felt like they I, had a I kid. I think so. they have a kid. And I think that that's actually what, my, my theory is that that's kind of what kicks off this memory. Exactly. Is that, is that this seems like the last, the last, it, I, the way that I interpret it is this is the last time that she actually saw her dad. Exactly. Which is why he's 31 in all of her memories. Mm-hmm. Um, Even in the in the dream sequence, right? That's, yeah. So this is like the last time that she ever really got to see him, and obviously as a child she didn't know what he was going through, mm-hmm. and now she is a parent of this baby, and she is reflecting upon. Again, this is my interpretation. She's like reflecting upon what he went through, what he was going through, and and just kind of like what you know. Now she's a parent, yeah, and it's I it I think she's just yeah, it's it's very like contemplative. Oh, yeah. She's trying to, like, reconnect with the experiences with her father and kind of, I wouldn't be surprised in certain ways, seek guidance from what he did. Yes, he was struggling, but yet he did his utmost best. And from many perspectives, like, he did his best as a dad. And, like, he was trying to be there. And even he's, when he was having depressive episodes, like, he tried. Yeah, and, and I think that he, the way that this movie 
pains it is that he's arguably like a pretty good dad. Oh yeah. Like it, it's there's more that I think is alluded to that he's not so great about. Like obviously this is a summer vacation and so he's not around all the time and he just wants to like pay for things as a way to like mend pieces of the relationship that he that she knows that he can't afford. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's moments where he like unintentionally ignores her and things like that, like kind of normal things, but obviously are impactful things to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think overall he does seem like he tries. Like he seems like he tries. Yeah. And with with that, you mentioned an interesting point of the idea of him trying to pay for things and trying to mend the relationship. I didn't, at least from my perspective, think of it too much as like a major factor, at least in the sense of he's using it as a maze to like mend the relationship. I always thought of it as he's just trying to build the, an experience. Well, he there's a moment where she goes and sings karaoke, mm-hmm. and afterward, that's a, a pretty sad moment too because oh yeah, she signs them up on a whim to do karaoke together in front of like you know people or whatever, yeah. and he won't do it. Right, he refuses to do it. So she does. She goes up and sings by herself. It's pretty sad because she's like really happy and excited and thinks that he's gonna join her oh, at yeah, first, but yeah. then she, you see, watch her sing the whole song and it's clear that he's not going to, and you can tell that this is just a moment that's like really sad mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, she's re- obviously upset about it. And he's like, you know, you did basically like you did well up there. Um, I could like we should pay for lessons for you to sing or something like that. And she's like, don't offer to pay for things. We both know you can't afford it. Right. And no, I get it. And to me, I looked at it from like from the dad's perspective, because this a shot earlier, which shows he's been drink. He has like two beers and he's getting another one. So he's like drinking pretty decently. Mm-hmm. And. When I say decently, it's like he's he's packing it in. And it seems as if there's a point where he's already in a low depressive mood, but he's trying his best not to have it hampered the situation. But being on stage in front of people, that's like a bit too much for him. Yeah. So he's like trying to say like, no, I can't do it. I get this is what you want, but I, I just can't. And it's an it's a confliction of interest. And I get and it's it's tricky. And she's like, well, shit, this sucks. And he's trying to mend it. And he's like, hey, I could try to bolster this up. And she's like, you can't afford this. And I just, at least just looking from the dad's perspective, this kind of builds on what we can at least capture of what's going on with him. So any of the scenes that you have with the dad, either by himself or it's really emphasizing on him, you notice that he's trying to do Tai Chi. He drinks to a decent degree, but he's not like a heavy drinker. But there's that one scene where he basically drinks a lot. Mm-hmm. And then he smokes. He's pretty avid with smoking because it's at one point he's walking on the nighttime after a few drinks and he actually picks up a, a half smoked cigarette from the sidewalk mm-hmm. and smokes it. Well, he, it's as a side note, it's clear that he is hiding smoking cigarettes from his daughter. Yes. Um, yeah. In the very beginning, she's asleep and he goes out on the back patio mm-hmm. and kind of like sneakily smokes a cigarette. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, no, that's a good It seems like he's definitely struggling with like anxiety, depression. Yep, I exactly. I think that's like what it's trying to pers- or portray it doesn't like ever necessarily say that but i think that's where like the meditation comes in the self-medicating with smoking and drinking Mm -hmm. probably why he didn't want to get up on stage and do karaoke he probably doesn't want to be in front of a lot of people and put himself out there exactly Um, exactly i i thought like more so the paying stuff was like kind of overcompensating or like Mm. and almost over promising i think Mm. he probably knew he was never going to pay for that Fair. Yeah, well, and he also, it it's, he's also, seems like he's trying to figure out, he, he's trying to, like, figure out his own path in life, too, and he's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple conversations where he's talking about, like, oh, I'm going to do this thing with this one guy, and 
move to London and do all these things, kind of alluding that he doesn't have like a secure job or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a scene where he's, you know, looking at this rug and he wants to buy this rug and it's 850 pounds and it's clear immediately that he can't afford the rug and they kind of end that scene. And then later on he goes and buys the rug and no one's around. And I think it's kind of, again, alluded to that that's him trying to show himself that like, he's trying to like live a version of his life that he's not true to. He's like trying to, he wants to be able to live that life of affording things and all these different, you know, things, but he can't. Right. I think that like one of the biggest things that we haven't touched on kind of going to your point, Oliver, is that they're staying at this like dingy hotel, but they're spending all day in this bougie hotel. Oh, I didn't realize it was separate hotels. I thought they were the same. They're separate hotels. Oh, I'm just crazy then. Oh, I didn't. I actually didn't either, but that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there was multiple comments of like it, how they talked about it being a different hotel. Oh, fam. Mm Mm-hmm. Damn, that's actually a good point. Good mm-hmm. catch. Shit. Which I thought was interesting. Wow. It's like he's like trying, like you said, trying to live this like separate life or the life that maybe he wants to live but can't afford. Right. So he's just like doing whatever he can. And I can. think he also wants his daughter to think of him a certain way. It's, oh, yeah. It's, again, it's kind of alluded to that he almost knows that this is going to be the last time that he sees his daughter. So he's like recording everything, taking a ton of photos. I think he, the rug scene was like the nail in the coffin, the final nail in the coffin. Mm, what do you mean? Like when he's laying down on it or? When he buys it. Mm. That's kind of what I, I think there's obviously like multiple interpretations, but I, that was like my interpretation. Like he knew he couldn't afford it, but he bought it anyways because he wanted to. And I, I think that like he's made his mind up. I think thing. at that point he probably knew. Well, maybe and then not. But I think to me, the. It's a again. It's it the whole time. It's clear that he's struggling with suicidal thoughts or depression or anxiety or whatever. But to me, the part where it's clear he's made up his mind what he wants to do is it's on his birthday. It's after they have this big blow up. They have this really great day at this like spa, yeah, kind of in in this park. Um, and his daughter Sophie gets everyone to sing him happy birthday, which he obviously wasn't expecting. And that scene is like immediately moves into a scene of him just like crying hard Mm -hmm. in his bedroom alone. And it's clear that like, and then it pans to a letter that's like to Sophie that he had wrote. That's like something like, I love you so much. Never forget that. Yeah. Love dad. Like a postcard he had wrote. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's clear that he made his mind up and that was like a moment that made it really hard for him to stick to what he was going to do. But it is alluded to that he like, he does fall through with it. And I will say, though, that actually makes the scene that happened right beforehand a, yeah, it just furthers the sadness of it, because you interpreted that scene where he's crying as, like, that was the final nail, and... I think, I think, I, I think that I, was probably right before he did it. Well, actually, well, well he walks into the was, airport. He does, he takes her to the airport. I think that was, like, almost a flash Oh, you forward. think it's, like, a flash forward? Because it wasn't, I don't think it was in the hotel room. Mmm. I don't know, because it doesn't really seem like there's any, as far as her memories go of him, it doesn't seem like there's any memories that aren't that vacation that we see. Right. So it's like presumed based on the evidence that's shown in the story that it's in the context of the holiday. Yeah, it seems like it could have been, yeah, within the holidays, how I interpret it. But I guess it could be forward. But I, I, either way, I think it's, it's the entire time it is 
toyed with that he has these thoughts and yeah. this this thing is potentially coming or maybe might happen or whatever. But he's fighting for, it constantly. Yeah, but for me that that scene was the oh no, there is no saving him kind of. He's right. made his mind up. Well, also there's the scene earlier. Well, actually two that come to mind. The one right before then is when he's talking to Sophie when she's eleven and they're out in the water, and he tells her that you know if you if I want you to know that you could talk to me about anything. And in many ways, because I think because he's such a young dad and he understands, you know, being young and it's alluded to that when he was growing up, when she asked him, hey, what did happen when you were 11? It seemed as if he didn't exactly have the most, uh, I would say, stable of upbringings because it indicates that. Well, her first question was actually, when you were 11, what did you think you'd be doing now? And he And that's when he kind of like. Yeah. I don't want to say loses it, but he like he shuts it he down. Shuts he makes her turn down. the camera off. And I think it's because he's like not happy with himself. Yeah. It's like it's mm. very clear that he is not happy with his himself and like where he's at in his life. And then he does go on to say And then what she is asks 11. about uh, what did you do or like how was your birthday, when, your you birthday when you were eleven? Mm -hmm. And he goes on to tell a story about how like his parents basically forgot about it and then his grandma made his mom or dad take him to the toy store and pick out a, a toy, you yeah. know, a red phone. Yeah. And so obviously it doesn't sound like he had like the best childhood, right. but I think more so it's what Shannon was just saying that he didn't think that this isn't how he pictures life turning out. Exactly. Basically. Exactly. And I can understand that because in the sense of like he was a young dad. So if he's 31 and she's 11, then he had him, had her when he was like 20. 20 yeah. And that's like, holy shit, you, you're basically a kid. Like in many and, ways, people say like you're you're barely out of like adult age. Like and you're still a, kid. And it's it's interesting because this movie, there's a lot of um, like parallels. So a lot of times you will see like other couples and stuff. Mm -hmm. You'll see a lot of like couples kissing or holding hands or whatever. You'll see like an old happy couple or like teenagers falling in love, air quotes or whatever. Yeah. Um. And at first, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but at first, it seems like it's just Sophie that's noticing all this. But then I think when you get more context of where he's at, you start to realize that these are also people that he's also noticing and he doesn't have. Oh. Like, for example, she's not necessarily looking at, like, I mean, she probably is looking at the older, like, there's a few older couples and yeah. they kind of joke about it and stuff, but there's, like, a, a few, you know, air quotes, traditional family units where there's, like, a mom and dad and, like, a kid playing in the pool or something. And you notice that it is through her perspective but I, at least for me, it became clear that he's also saying this, mm -hmm. and that's definitely not helping the situation that he's in. Right. And it's like, if you take it from that approach, yes, he recognizes that, you know, he's, it, it's it indicated like they're divorced from, like, mom, or like they never, they're not together. Yeah. And, and she lives with her mom. Exactly. Yeah. And even though, I think that adds actual an additional layer of, if he didn't exactly have the best childhood himself, He's trying, even with the circumstances, try to do his best to make the childhood that she has as at least better than what he experienced. But on top of his own sense of his accomplishments, not achieving his expectations and the stability relationship he has with her mom, which seems to be stable. I mean, they're co-parenting and all that. Yeah. He's still like trying to make sure that the standard of her childhood is better than his. Well, and, and, and even though his approach is... He's and trying. there's talking about like subtlety in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, there's a subtle moment where she's on the phone with her mom, like her mom's you know checking in with her, and then uh, she's like, "Oh, mom wants to talk to you." 
And so he gets on the phone, and it's clear that they have like a fairly good relate, like a pretty good relationship. Yeah, they're talking to each other fairly cordially. But there's this, there's a moment. So he says like, like love you too, or something to her mom. Mm-hmm. So his ex, you know, girlfriend or wife or whatever it might be. Yeah. But there's like a split second where she's looking up at him in the telephone booth, and after he says I love you, there's a split second where you get to catch a look at his face, and it's clear he's crying on the phone with her, like he's got tears oh. in his eyes. It's like a moment, but. To me, that also just shows, like, okay, that's also something that he has, like, he is dealing with that has not healed, like, the relationship with her mom. And he's, you know, he's talking to her on the phone. He's like, oh, I'm so happy for you. Like, that's such great news. Do you think one of the things that might actually be hitting home, this, again, part of theory, but on top of depression, anxiety, him not living up to his expectations or potential, it led to the dissolve of his relationship with Sophie's mother, and he's afraid that it could also impair his relationship with Sophie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I there's a lot. Like, it's also very clear that he ran away from where he was. He grew up. Oh yeah, and he, he won't go back. Yeah, because he doesn't feel like there's he a belongs. conversation that Sophie and him have, and so it's like part of me wonders: is that like family reasons? Is that because of Sophie's mom and him? Like, mm. what is the reason for that? But you don't get the answers for that. But it's very clear he's, like, running away from his problems. He's struggling with anxiety, depression. Well, it's also clear that Sophie doesn't really understand or necessarily, I guess no child does, but, like, want her parents not to be together. There's a moment where he's in the shower and she's, or shaving or brushing his teeth or something like that, and she's talking to him and, oh, no, he's cutting off his cast. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And, And she's basically like, you know, one time I was talking to mom and she was mm. on the phone with you and she said that you were engaged and it made me really happy. But at that point, I didn't know that engaged just meant like on the phone. Yeah, and like busy. Like, yeah, yeah. and she was like, and it, and it kind of made me happy that you two were engaged. But, you know, I was just, I was young and I was silly or something like Which that. Which is kind of funny for them. Yeah. So like, she I was, was like, I was like, I was like nine or something <laughs> like that. And, That's funny. Yeah, and so it's like a kind of a sad moment. He doesn't really respond to it too much. Um but it's kind of a sad moment where you realize that she, like, wants her parents to be together or at the very least doesn't understand why they're not together. Well, at the very least, like, wants them to be happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The but- moment that I thought was, like, pretty sad was there was a moment where Sophie was, like, laying on the bed and she was, like, almost describing maybe what, like, anxiety would be like. Yes. And he was, and he was sitting there, like, looking in the mirror while she was describing this and he was getting like angry and he ended up like spitting in the mirror because he was like so maybe angry is not the right word he's not but, angry like, at her he's like no, upset that she's experiencing this thing like at least the way that i that he's also it. experiencing yeah. well like, so from that scene my interpretation of it was that as she's describing it it's making him relive it almost twofold in a way because maybe at that point it was like a neutral, like he was just like brushing his teeth, listening to his child. But as she's saying it, it's bringing back something that he's trying to push back and she's describing it and it makes it more visceral. Mm-hmm. So it's like not only are you trying to suppress it, but it's almost externally there. So mm-hmm. you're like fighting it from both ends. Yeah. So it kind of puts you in a state of just, I wouldn't say numb, but it kind of puts you in like a weird like purgatory type of mental state. Mm-hmm. And... It kind of, maybe in a way to like snap oneself out of it. It's like fuck it, and he just spits at the mirror or something. Yeah, but maybe. It it is an interesting way, and it was actually an interesting scene of that. 
she's trying to understand and explain these feelings and she feels comfortable saying this to her dad which is mm-hmm. awesome because she that's the thing about this film that's really interesting seeing the dynamic between the two because she does also feel comfortable around him and actually is like willing to share her thoughts and ideas could also him, be that good. he blames himself for feeling that way too yeah mm. that's it yeah that's an interesting you point know, too um but yeah i think that there it's we've just been talking about a lot of heavy stuff because it is heavy. kind of like a heavy movie but i one thing i think one thing that like always rings true <clears throat> in it is their relationship feels like really genuine oh yeah and like th- between mm-hmm. the actors, obviously, and like, oh yeah, can we talk about the acting real quick? Holy shit! Yeah, mm-hmm. so I, like, I feel damn. like we should say like, their names. So it's really only two characters: it's Sophie and mm-hmm. her dad Callum, and Callum is played by Paul Mescal, and Sophie's played by Frankie Corio. Yeah, I think we've discussed before about child actors and how that all works and all that jazz. Holy shit, this kid's good. Like yeah. she's got, she's got, she's got a future. Yeah, like holy shit. Well, like, and they have damn. like a. I was thinking about it when I was watching it. I was. They have a really good like dynamic that Mm. doesn't feel forced yeah like i feel like a lot of times um father daughter relationships when you're acting kind of feel forced Mm -hmm. but this doesn't it feels like pretty genuine yeah it's like you definitely feel the sense that he's he's her guardian he's protecting her he's helping her or just more than anything else want to make sure that she's okay Mm -hmm. having fun but also guiding her with little Tidbits of lessons that mm-hmm. he gives her, like self-defense. Well, I think that also knowing what he's sure going through and what he's planning on doing also adds more context to that, too. Oh, yeah. And oh, that yeah. all these kind of things he's teaching her and talking to her about, it, see, it feels deeper than just like a daughter or a father talking to his daughter and more so like these are things that he wants her to keep with her at all times because he's not going to be around, kind of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For example, he like starts to teach her some like self-defense moves. Mm-hmm. And at first, I think you just it just feels like, you know, it, a father typical dad thing yeah, to typical do. dad thing but i think in the context of how the movie kind of ends it does feel more like these are things he wants her to know because he's not going to be around to yeah teach right. her it. it seems like that's a bit of like a struggle like and not only his actions but internally as well like his actions are reflecting that internal struggle of him wanting to be there for his daughter for yeah. sure but that internal that strife that the father's experiencing when he's struggling with wanting to be there for his daughter but he's also dealing with the anxiety and despair that comes along with the depression that he's also fighting off. And as the film progresses, it seems as if he's just recognizing that he can't keep up this fight. He's, mm-hmm. he's going to lose. And in a way, it's, it, when you see it from that perspective, it is fairly unfortunate seeing that it's, in many ways he's like, Giving, well, not, not giving up, but he's just losing steam. He just can't do it anymore. Do you think that he knows that that's coming, or what we think the outcome is is coming? I think like that's the, inf- the beginning of their vacation, or do you think it? It's. I think it's just another way. He just thinks of it as like another battle he's facing. But yeah. as he's dealing with this, mm, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, considering some of the points that we've talked upon and we reflecting on some other key points on the film as he's being reminded of where he's at in life at this point in time, looking back into his own past as his daughter's like asking him questions Mm -hmm. as he's reflecting on the experiences of others that are around him as he's like from a multi like faceted standpoint, like he's seeing everything. It might be one of those things where internally he's just getting bombarded on multiple sides of like, 
oh, you've not reached your ambition. Oh, you're not going to be a good enough father. Oh, she's going to go through the same shit. Like all those thoughts. And mm-hmm. maybe, I, unfortunately, it was just too much for him. Yeah. Maybe maybe he I, just thought, like, I can just make it through this bout. I can do this I, just for my daughter. But it just... I get the vibe that he, like, kind of knew that this was the path that he was going to go on before they even went on, like, the vacation. You think so? It it kind of seems like this was like that's why I mean, it, it's it became like pretty bombastic of like terms like what he's trying to do like yeah he's like trying it to, obviously he's trying is to do a something lot. he's been struggling with yeah. not just during this vacation but for a while I, so and you, I don't know that he like had fully made up his mind but it seemed like that was kind so of so that like, begs the question do you think like the vacation itself was the send off letter not just the letter itself that's kind of the vibe maybe, that yeah, I get maybe Ooh, maybe shit. it was in a sense that he Ooh, that'd be an interesting I could see him man. almost being like. I mean, he has this fun daughter, like this cool little daughter. Oh, yeah, she's dope as fuck. And I can only imagine, like, in his mind, maybe he just didn't think that he was worthy mm, or deserving. I, I think I think he's just, it, the what I picked up on was it seemed like he was just, like, really struggling with a lot. Yeah. I think that, yeah, maybe maybe worthiness is... And obviously that's not the case. Like, he was worthy and right. deserving of having this daughter. They have a good relationship. Oh but I God, can only yeah. imagine for somebody that's struggling with something like that, but that maybe that's what was going it, through it his really, mind. It really seemed like he was trying to kind of, like, like you know, he was teaching her self-defense moves and he was doing all these different things, like, trying for this to be, like, kind of the last image that she had of him and mm-hmm. trying to, like, pretend that everything was okay. Even, like, when he's cutting off his cast, that's kind of, like symbolic of him trying to like cover up yeah you know make sure like pretend that everything's okay yeah Um, Yeah, that's a good point i didn't think about it that way and and when it's like clearly not at least to us to her not really which is like and it's you know obviously as a child it seems like it it, to her it wasn't clear that he was not okay but as an adult as she looks back she's reflecting on it and it's like when she's looking at the video footage as an adult it's really like she's looking for answers mm-hmm. as to why this happened. And you don't really spend a lot of time with her as an adult, but you spend a little bit. And just in the little bit, it's clear that, you know, like we said, she's got her own family. You can see in the camera footage, she's actually got the rug that he bought mm-hmm. in her house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she's, you just, you learn a lot with a very, very little in those scenes. So that actually sparks an interesting thought. And that kind of leads into the aspect of, from a technical standpoint, how this film was shot. The idea of how this film does a really good job of initially, you're looking at it from the kid's perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're looking at it from, oh, this is just a kid, you know, going along the, you know, holiday vacation with the dad. But as you pay attention more to the film, your attention starts to shift towards the dad and Mm -hmm. paying attention to the dynamic. And then by the end of the film, you really start to see the full picture. And perhaps... Maybe from, you know, a cinema, cinematography standpoint or whatever the case may be, like, you know, like, give, give me guys your, your perceptions on this. But I'm wondering if that was intentional where it is, like, as Sophie as an adult is looking back, she's recalling it initially from as a child. But then as time goes on, she's like, oh, shit. She starts to pick up things more and more. Mm-hmm. And that's why certain scenes are focusing more on the dad. And it's like a reflection of her really thinking back on certain moments like oh shit like what was he doing out in the balcony and all that stuff like she's it's a way for her really focusing in on certain points and that's why in the film it focuses on certain shots more extensively it's like her recalling and really trying to pay attention to details it's Mm -hmm. i think it's like less of a story of a girl's 
like last summer with her dad Mm -hmm. and more of a story of a grown woman who has a family's recollection of her last summer with yeah her dad. and there's like a and key almost difference like that. now that she is older and she's ex- experienced how life can be as an adult and has mm-hmm. a child and the struggles of having a child struggle. it's almost like her looking back and maybe trying to understand where her dad was coming from she's looking and for what answers, he was struggling seems. with and probably being able to now relate a little bit more with him mm-hmm. um yeah i don't i don't know like it's like in, in many ways it's not only a way of revisiting it's a way of reconnecting it's a way of re- understanding ga- gaining guidance but even can. but understanding but also not understanding because yeah. there's not really like you get little hints of things but you don't really get clear answers on most of it and what uh, was your yeah. guys's take on there was a couple scenes where the dad it was kind of like a separate scene from the of the movie where the dad's like kind of on a dance floor with the strobe lights. Oh yeah. And then there's a scene where she is there as an adult. It it I don't I think that that is all that's figurative. That's like well, me, no, for sure. But like, what was your take on like what, what the meaning, yeah, or what the representation to, to of me that was? that was a representative like a representation of just like her memory of him mm-hmm. um it's it's like she's searching for him in her memories and he is like she's like searching for this image which is why like sometimes he's doing exactly what he's doing in that moment of video that she's watching mm-hmm. like sometimes he's dancing or sometimes he's doing you know other things but for the most part it's like to me it's like that's her searching her mind to kind of like come in contact with her father almost while she's watching these videos not literally obviously but like thinking back on it, which is why at the very end of the movie, when he's done recording her in the uh, airport, airport yeah. he walks down the hallway, and as he leaves those doors, you can get like a glimpse beyond the doors. It's just like the flashing dark room. Yeah, it's room, like he's leaving know, the airport into her memory. doors, but then it's like opens up into this nightclub or whatever. Not literal, obviously. Uh, yeah, But no. like, yeah, to me, that's like, that is the end of the memories that she has with him. And so now it's like he is like, that to me, it's like, figuratively That's transition. transitioning yeah. into memory type mm-hmm. of thing. So another yeah. thing that just came to mind is when thinking back into some of the scenes of this film, that dance sequence was when he was the most expressive and the most, I would say, happy because it really re- revealed a lot of him. Like this was one of the rare instances where, you know, he was much more excitable and all that stuff. Are you talking about the actual dance? The actual dancing, yeah. Between him and, and her, and that's why I think there's a bridge between those two like scenes. Like the yeah. one that she has in the mind where it's all like dark and like a nightclub. I think it's her recalling that point, and I'm wondering like why is this film focusing on that particular scene? And yeah. it's saved for the very last, like one of the last scenes in the film. Like why that is was that like the, case? the last night of their vacation. Exactly, and this was the last night where she saw him really happy, excited, mm-hmm. pulling her in to like have this dance experience and that was like the last like you know bond like major bonding experience they had and Mm -hmm. maybe that's why whenever she has those moments of like searching for him she's searching for him when he was at his last point where he was really happy Happy, versus seeing these glimpses of him being depressed or hiding things back at this point it was like no i could tell that he was genuinely happy in this Mm -hmm. moment and she's trying to find him in this instance like in this experience Yeah, yeah that's a good point yeah, or or yeah, or just find how somebody. I mean, 
and there's a lot of like messages in it, but like find yeah. how somebody that ends up doing what he did and is in that bad or mind that, space we, that we assume he did. Right. I mean, it's, right. it's like it's heavily obvious, implied, yeah. but yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, how somebody who, who could, you know, ultimately decide that or be in that bad head space or be depressed or whatever could have those moments of like momentary, like fun, happiness. And and yeah. yeah. I mean, it's gotta be hard. One, it's gotta be hard f- as a child to kind of like wrap your head around that. But it's also got to be hard when her last moments of seeing him was him being happy and like having fun with her and her just trying to wrap her head around. Okay, but he was happy. So why why did he do this? And I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I kind of want to bring back to it is that Mm -hmm. part of what I think this movie does differently, but is really interesting is the cinematography and how Mm -hmm. it, how it, is shot, it gets you to like feel things a little bit differently than maybe in other movies. Part of that is because it's like a lot of it is shot um, first person in the sense of like it's it's footage that has been recorded on their camcorder or whatever mm-hmm. it is from this vacation, which kind of like involves you in their vacation deeper <laughs> than, you know, many probably many movies would. Mm-hmm. But then also the camera work itself is like very unobtrusive. It's like almost fly on the wall on a lot of different shots um, or like you're there in the room with them kind of thing. Yeah. And there's just a lot of really cool shots. Like one coming to mind is there's one of parasailers in the sky mm. and then it like is cut to a pool where you see the reflection of them oh, in the yeah. sky. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's just an example of cool cinematography. But then there's also, I feel like, I mean, even when she's of... watching the video, you're like watching the video and you think you think you're just like watching the video on the TV and then it like pans or you're watching the video and then you realize it's on the TV and then it pans to her as an adult and that's your first time seeing her as an adult I'm pretty sure and then it like pans across the whole apartment mm-hmm. and just like the way that that sequence was yeah. was like super or, cool or in the transitions for mm-hmm. or too. the scene where they're actually kind of arguing where she's a child and she is like you know, live recording him on the camcorder hooked up to the mm-hmm. TV and then mm-hmm. turn you see his reflection in the TV, mm-hmm. which is like yes, a that cool... that was my favorite shot. Yeah, yeah it's a cool contrast, like what's yeah. being been recorded versus what reality is, yeah. but it's yes. like a cool reflection. It's just that, really thoughtful and, and interesting. I everything mean, is like very... Deliberate. Deliberate, deliberate yeah. yeah. This this and, film and has like a lot of intention behind it. And like not in your face. Yeah. yeah, it's not it, flashy again, to be flashy. Again, we've said it many, oh, many, yeah, many yeah. times, but it's very like subtle but it's very deliberate. Yeah, mm. and like another cool example is And it would be interesting shot, to watch it again and like yeah. where pick up on everything else. Oh, yeah, where really they're snorkeling go. on the boat and the dad is talking to that tour guy yeah. mm. and they're like the contrast of their lives and their experiences. Mm. Um, and as the tour guide is kind of talking to the dad, the camera starts like kind of slowly pan away from his head, seemingly kind of unfocused on anything but it's like a mm-hmm. kind of a cool abstract example of like him drifting away from the conversation. Like disassociating or? Like I think being contemplative about where he's at. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, the conversation yeah. that he's having. I didn't having. notice that. Um, and there's a lot of that. There's a lot of times where like, you you know, the person is not centered in the frame mm-hmm. or the camera drifts away from people or is kind of like moving around. It's like a reflection like of like covering. how the characters are out of focus in like the conversation yeah, just, because like the like really interesting. Like, and it's, floating I think eye. what's cool is that you... It's not, like you said, it's not in your face, so you don't necessarily 
notice it, I don't think, right away at least. Mm-hmm. But you do notice how it makes you feel. Like, yeah. It really is a example of how you're using the the tools, resources, and the general art of film to really bring out what you're wanting to tell in the story. Like what type of emotions, what type of like, uh, I would say, uh, tone and other elements you want to bring out so that you can better deliver that message to the audience. And this film is a good example of how the director and cinematographer worked well in making that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we kind of touched on it a little bit, mm. but do you think this movie would be for everyone? I guess we didn't really touch on that, but we touched on it. Like, Fair enough. Might not work for most people, but... Honestly... Oh, okay. So, here was an immediate thought that came through my mind as watching the as we were watching the film. If you're someone that is not into storytelling that has... That's very observational, where mm-hmm. it's very... You're just trying to glean information through observing the characters and checking into the backgrounds, like, really paying attention to how things are shot, like, understanding, like almost like the meta aspect of storytelling. Mm-hmm. If you're not that type of person, you want a more clear-cut story, then this would not be your type of film. Yeah. I can definitely see how if you have a different, I would say, taste in film, uh, you would get potentially bored <laughs> with right. this film. I feel like the, I don't know if it's the genre is the right word, but mm. the coming-of-age genre of movies is definitely like a harder one for a lot of people I think to enjoy mm-hmm. just because it's like not a lot going on but also a lot going on at yeah. the same time yeah. <laughs> like it requires a lot of thinking mm-hmm. maybe not thinking yeah I don't know I, I think there are coming of age movies that are everyone can enjoy like like the uh stand by me for example is a no I, coming of and age. I think that like coming of age movies are great like Mm-hmm. On paper, coming-of-age movies are not my kind of thing. Really? But I always enjoy them. Oh, wow. Because I, I usually like to have, like, maybe action-packed or, like, thriller <laughs> or, like, yeah. you know, drama. So coming-of-age movies don't really have that. So, right. like, on paper, it's, like, not the type of movie that I would like. But I don't think I've ever watched one that I haven't liked. I don't know why my immediate thought was like, unless you think Lord of the Rings is a coming of age movie. I haven't, kind of watched, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't watched Lord of the Rings. So. Wait, hold on. Pause. Wait, what? What? Wait, hold on. Pause. Taylor, why would I watch that? Wait, hold on. I want to make sure I heard this right. Did you literally just say you have not seen Lord of the Rings? My precious. I know that. Okay. I thought that I was That is Lord of the Rings, it. right? Yes. I watched I, The Hobbit. I feel like half of the like Lord of the Rings audience was like, oh, God. And all the other half was like, yeah, that's close enough. Actually, no. The other half would not actually say that. They'd be like, eh. Aren't I mean, they like the same universe? It is. Um, oh, see? Look at me. I mean, to be fair, I was in the same count like a couple years back where I never saw Lord of the Rings. And that was until I was like, what, Taylor, 25-ish? So. do you really think that the Lord of the Rings is a Shannon no. movie? Oh, no. Not at all. Exactly. But- <laughs> But okay, before we go into that tangent, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit! Um, but no, I, I give it. Just gonna sit down on a Friday night by myself and watch Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Absolutely not. All right. But no, I, I give it to me because coming of age definitely have a much more of a quiet approach to things. It's mm-hmm. much more contemplative, much more of a you know paying attention to the discussions people are having and the and just the and, Internal experiences of the protagonists or those that are involved in the film. 
So yeah, it's much more of a observational experience yeah. versus action. That's, a, most that's a good cool. way to put it. Observational experience. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, yeah, I just feel like if you're an air quotes blockbuster moviegoer, pew, pew, pow. this isn't it for <laughs> you. You yeah, do. I, yeah. and not to say that you might not like it, but I just, I, yeah, I don't know. You're not like craving it. It's mm-hmm. like, I gotta check this out. Yeah. I, 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 I could see people being bored watching it. Yeah. I think certain people. And I think that even if you do like coming of age movies, this movie is definitely like very, Subtle is the word that we've been using the whole time. Like mm-hmm. it's like not a whole lot going on. It's very like contemplative and meditative, really. Um, Ooh, that's not actually like a good way to describe it. it is yeah. meditative. Yeah, that would probably be, be the word I would describe this movie as meditative. And there's lots of meditating. Um, <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and yeah, so I don't. I just think it's like more of just like a collection of moments. As, yes, it is. And instead of being like this overarching narrative. Mm-hmm. There's not like a resolution or like a, your standard three part, you know, storytelling structure. It's more so just like a collection of moments that reveal some things. Yeah. It's a, it's a snippet of time. So that I, has I, more I don't think I could recommend it to everybody. Not, not to mention that it's when you understand what it's subject matter kind of is about, it is a heavy movie. Yeah. It is sad. And I think if you're not in the right frame of mind, it could be hard. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, in a similar way, like a silent voice is a well done film. It is one where you need to know what the heck you're getting yourself into, type mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's probably gonna have and to I be don't some think sort of maybe trigger warning. Trigger warning on this what? podcast. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> this just went right over me. <laughs> you, you, I said, had you had it the question in mind, like right Swoop. over. Well, okay, so I guess with the fact that we recognize the film reflected the accolades it received at the beginning, this film must have generated some type of hype or recognition because this is an A24 film. It is. Okay, yeah. yeah. It did, yeah. I mean, it obviously won awards. uh, And I don't think it ever, I don't think it necessarily blew up the box office or anything. Oh, hell no, this is not a film that did It definitely was a a sleeper hit. I I almost feel like it was like a cult following type hype. Really? Yeah, I think Shannon heard about it on TikTok. I, oh, yeah. I Actually, I did not. It was an Instagram? I literally looked up A24 movies one day oh. because I wanted to watch a movie and Oliver was like, I hate when you pick movies. And I said, <laughs> okay, what if I try and pick a movie that you might like? And he's like, that's not going to happen. So then I looked up A24 movies. I looked through all the trailers and then I saw this and I was like, hmm, he'll like that. <laughs> was and, that right? And that was like a year ago. Yeah, it literally <laughs> was because I went back to actually look because I told you earlier that I had text message proof, but I don't <laughs> because it was before I got this phone. Yeah. Oh, I, shit. <laughs> I had known I had known about this movie, but I don't think that I like. I mean, I'm honestly like I'll watch probably any A twenty four movie. They've just have, they really haven't let me down in any major way. Um, yeah, that's why it's like my go-to. So, I want to pick a movie, but I need to pick one that Oliver likes. I just look through all the A24 movies. Yeah, there's varying degrees of quality from them, right? But like for the most part, I've never been like, wow, I hated that. They have a consistency of standard. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so I this was always on my radar, but it seems like it kind of came out and then people didn't talk about it a whole lot. Like it, it, I didn't hear about it in the box office at all. I... 
I, I saw it on streaming platforms first. Okay. I mean, because I, I, we were going to rent it on whatever streaming platform because I, I didn't see it in the box office at all. I mean, after watching the film, you can most likely understand why it definitely fits the definition of a sleeper hit because mm-hmm. not saying it's a bad film at all, no, but it because it's so meditative and contemplative and very just... A24 releases a lot of movies, like more than I think people even realize. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize that. Like, a lot of them kind of go unnoticed. Oh, mm-hmm. you'd be surprised by how many there are. Which is nice like because... You, if, if you have Apple TV or whatever, like platform you use to like search movies just type in a24 and it'll pop up with all these movies that you probably have never even heard of mm-hmm. and a lot of them most of them are really good mm-hmm. we've watched a couple just by doing that like on our little movie nights mm-hmm. zola was another one that i actually really liked it's kind of a funny movie oh nice um there's a there's actually a few yeah like I watched Past Lives in Colorado. That's an A24 movie that I feel like kind of came and went and people didn't talk about a ridiculous amount unless you're kind of in like film circles. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a really great movie too. There's a lot and I can't even think of them right now. Which is a bummer because I wish movies like this got more attention. I know we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I I think it it is a really good movie. Well, I think that also caters to why film festivals and events like those are absolutely necessary so that films of this caliber can get the recognition it can and given it's, the uniqueness that it that and it I don't I mean <clears throat> do you all how did I guess like before I ask the next question like <clears throat> how do you all feel after watching that movie it was worthwhile it actually showcased a different way of exploring how about not like only subject matter but also like how about like how emotionally be, oh emotionally Heavily contemplative, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that any movie that can, because I feel the same way, like yeah. I think any movie that can make you feel that way is special in its own right. Oh, and, I, and I mean, if, if people can watch a movie like this and it's not in your face with all of its messages and super, you know, like, literally slaps you yeah, in the face. Yeah, putting you on blast, like whatever, like, and be <laughs> subtle like that and make every, you know, make you leave the theater or make you leave the couch or whatever and have that same reaction. I think that's like pretty special and I think mm-hmm. more people should watch movies like that. Yeah, that's know? fair. Yeah, I think it's definitely like an emotionally draining movie. One I'm of the questions... Tapped. Yeah, one of, I'm pretty tapped. <laughs> one, like, tap of out. The, yeah. one of the questions that we have on our little thing that we go through is um, why do you think we don't have much to say about this movie? Which is a question we've never actually asked because... Somehow we found a way. We've <laughs> always had something to say and I'm not saying that we don't have anything to say about this movie but i do feel like maybe it's one of those movies where we don't have too much to say too much to say yeah and not because it's a bad movie i think it's part of me thinks it's because we went from couch to table and it's such an emotionally draining movie yeah and then also too because of what type of film it is and the way that it's the, the style in which it's shot you really do have to experience it. This, mm-hmm. this is one of the few films in which I would honestly say experiencing it makes a hell of a lot more sense versus talking about it mm-hmm. because by actually watching it and seeing interactions and everything, you understand a hell of a lot more clearly. Like, I've, oh, I've said yeah, it, we're, I've we're said probably it not doing this film yeah. justice in this podcast. <laughs> I've said it before and I'm, I will say it again, but yeah. I do think that it's it's this movie is almost more about how it makes you feel mm-hmm. than like what's actually on screen going feels. on. And... Uh, yeah, like <clears throat> it almost felt like uh, again, this probably would be me being over dramatic and channel ripping at me or something, but it almost felt like wrong 
to immediately start talking about this movie. Mm. Like it almost felt wrong to like have it end and then start well, that's setting what I up was saying. Yeah, but like start setting up the podcast. Not because I don't have anything to say, but like it feels like a movie that like it needs to sit for a little. It's like an open wound almost, and you just gotta Ooh. let it heal for a second. And it oh, it was damn. like I it's pretty raw at like at the end, at least for me it was. Yeah, I mean that's like, why I said in the beginning, like I feel like we've only done it a couple times going couch to table, but I almost feel like that wasn't the move with this movie. Yeah, but uh-huh. we probably wouldn't have known that until watching it. For sure. Um, but that actually kind of there are movies. There are movies that energize you and like you're hyped to talk. Like Top Gun Maverick. You Woo! get off. You get off Sorry. the couch and you you know you're like I'm just like oh, I want to talk about the movie right. But yeah. like this movie like like I said kind of sucked the air out of the room mm-hmm. when it was over and it just like talking about it feels it's hard almost. Yeah. It it's a yeah it's a good movie. Yeah, and that just, it just as you were talking about how. The film definitely emphasizes on the feeling aspect of it. The prime example is that karaoke scene. We touched upon it earlier. And how much the camera shot just focuses in on Sophie, just emphasizing like the isolation. Or I mean, like just the even subtle stage. shift of her presence and her like body language exactly. is crazy. Great acting on that one, boy. Yeah. Like, God damn. Yeah. So the, the way that the film purposely like holds on to certain shots like that, just to really get the audience to feel. Those moments, yeah. It, it really is a... Yeah, there's a lot of moments, too, where you see the dad subtly make an expression or look at Sophie or something, and it tells you everything that you need to know yep. in that moment. Yep. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's it's really good. And this is this is Charlotte Wells' first directorial debut, like, Ooh. her feature film. Has she done and anything it, else since, or...? She's, no, not since. This came out last year. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Shit. She's done, I think, like, shorts and other smaller movies, but Ooh. this is, like, her first big one. She's done and fantastic like, then. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Knocked good. out of the park. It's pretty special. Fuck, I yeah. don't know how you follow up a movie like this, you know, but. Fuck. Well, with that being said, um, I think it's, I would say, safe, safe. Go, let's go into ratings. Yeah. Fuck, I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> Somebody else go first. All right. Taylor. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll do it. Considering how this film is shot, how it has a unique take when it comes down to how cinematography and editing, and just overall performances. It's a nice way to kind of rejuvenate that sense of, oh, there's still shit you'd explore when it comes down to filmmaking. This is quite nice. Mm-hmm. And with the subject matter, it handles it, I think, very well and showcasing the realities behind it and how it can manifest in those closest to you. Mm-hmm. And especially as a kid, you're not even realizing it until you get older. And... We've said subtlety so many times in this, but that is definitely a very, I would say, appropriate term in terms of how this film, I would say, handles itself. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, 4.5. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think could be improved? Shit. The only thing, and it would honestly take away from the film, because we talked about how it is not accessible to everyone, mm-hmm. just based on the nature of the film. And if you try to make it more accessible, it would take it away, I think. Yeah. So in terms of like like what the question is, what would be that extra 0.5 that would make it better? I don't know. That's I, fair. That's fair. I, I mean, there's been tons of movies where I'm like. That's kind of where I'm, I mean, I'll just dive into mine because that's kind of where I'm at. It's mm-hmm. like a 4.5 for yeah. me. I don't know what would make it a five star. Like, I almost feel like. 
like you said, kind of making it a little more accessible, maybe like adding a little bit more, but then that also would kind of take away from it. Right. Like maybe some further context or some part extra, of me like, would have yeah. liked to see a little bit more of Sophie's adult life. Yes, I agree. I think that's something I was like missing as well. Like I really wanted to see like how but she also, grew like, up. But also like that could ruin the movie. Yeah, I so yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel that like I needed to see more. I feel like it would actually. I don't think I needed to see more. I just wanted to. Which does speak to the quality of like how like the audience gets connected to the characters that mm-hmm. you want to see more, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice. Yeah, I don't know, but I agree. I guess I get it. But for me, I think that would have taken away from what the movie. I think that's what we, I mean, we yeah. both said that too. Like, I think yeah. it, we know it would take away from it. But we still want it. Yeah, still <laughs> want it. yeah I was between four and a half and five. Mm. But as I like sit and linger here and think about it, I think I'll give it a five. Damn, you're going straight for it. Yeah, I think I'll give it a five. I can't think of any good reason not to give it a five. I, yeah, there's a lot of things that make it imperfect, but I feel like that is why I really enjoy it. And it's like intentionally that way. If you say imperfect, like, what do you mean exactly? Like like, how it's like, I don't know, the way that's put together, the fact that like there are shots that linger really long or there's like, like, you know, the frame composition isn't great and like all these different things that come together to make it kind of like an imperfect movie are part of the reason why I think it's so good. Because it kind of like, it's a reflection of the reality of it. It feels really authentic. It feels like super authentic. And I think that if you were to polish this up, the same story could easily be told in a much more contemporary way and it would not be nearly Oh, hell no. Like, Um, I I just... And for me, all the unanswered questions and all the things left in the air and all the things that need additional context are why I, I appreciate it. It's just like a snapshot in time as somebody's reflecting back on it, which happens all the time. You know, yeah. like sometimes you just you you're sitting there and you you I don't know smell a smell or you were watching a movie or something, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden it like snaps you into a brief moment of time that you think about. Yeah, and that could be happy or sad or whatever it is. And I think that that's what this movie is trying to be. It's like this person just reflecting back on her father and now she is a parent and trying to understand her father's mistakes and understand that moment in time mm-hmm. and come to terms with it and all those different things. I think it's really good. And I like how you mentioned like unanswered questions as the, the way that's the film is actually executed in the storytelling and it kind of reflects what the main character experiencing as well. It's like trying yeah. to find answers, but there's a lot of unanswered Life questions. doesn't have answers to a lot of questions yeah and i think that if if this movie had just like answered all the questions and we as the audience understood everything like if the dad was like like i said earlier if the dad was like sophie i'm struggling with depression and blah blah like you know like all these things it wouldn't have, fe- have felt and real you know, it's so bad and it's not like there's a lot of films that actually do shit like yeah, that it's so fucking i think this movie really respects the audience oh yeah and i it appreciate does. that it actually um, thinks and, the I, and i really like i like out. a movie that leaves things a bit ambiguous i, I do too hate when one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is when a movie over explains itself. I yes. don't need, again, this is just a me thing, but I don't need a movie to tell me what your message is. I don't mm. need a movie to tell me, like, force on my throat a narrative. I'm smart enough as a moviegoer to, like, understand those things. I think this movie worked for me. One of the things I really appreciated is that. You yeah. know, like, at the end of it, I feel 
pretty comfortable in the assumptions I've made and the connections I made to the story. And I don't feel the need to have more an- like questions answered. It works on its own without over explaining itself or overstaying its welcome either, I think. Yeah. In my opinion. Bit. So yeah, I think I'll stick with five. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. All right, well, with that being said, um, <laughs> is there any final thoughts that we have when it comes on to the film, or do you think we've pretty much hit as much as we could for now? Yeah, it's kind of been a low-energy <laughs> podcast, but, you know, I think it's just because of this movie. And, I, again, I said it earlier, I don't think that this podcast is really giving this movie justice. <laughs> it's a great movie. It really is. It's oh, yeah. just it's an experience. It leaves an impact. I think that's what could be... Uh, if there's one major thing to take away from this discussion, it definitely has weight to it. Yeah. Even if it doesn't seem so at first when you right. look at trailers or anything. Give but, it a yeah. chance, too. Cause oh, I, yeah. I, I, when I first started watching this movie, it, it actually took me a while to, like... Get into it? Really get into it. Oh, shit. And hmm. not like I wasn't into it or whatever, but, like... Trying to, like, get... get trying to around. understand what it was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a while to, like, really kind of steep in it. I was, when I was in a similar state, too. But then when I was in it, it, I was in it. Um, and I would say anybody that's watching, like, listening to this podcast, uh, my advice would be to watch the movie, um, but maybe make sure you're in the right mindset or mood for it, because mm-hmm. it's kind of heavy. And yeah. I think it's definitely heavier than I anticipated going into it. Yeah. Right? Like, most, again, most of the time, coming-of-age stories tend to have, like, heavier subject matter or, or you know, conflict. But this movie... The way that it sneaks up on you and the fact that it's, again, it's not necessarily a coming-of-age story in the way that you would think. Um, I think that makes the subject matter a little bit harder. If yeah. you were in a not-good headspace, I could see this movie being hard yeah. to watch. Yeah. Especially because by the time it starts to hit you, it's kind of at the end and you're already in it. Oh, you yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be my advice. But my advice would also be if it sounds like something that's interesting i think people should watch it and yeah. support it mm-hmm. and real quick with the drink counter uh i, think I don't like, know i think it's like I don't i think she's only had like one or two of the <laughs> the face you just made I had like three or four. Oh okay. shit i think i've also had like three or four i might have had like one and a half no no you haven't you've probably had like two or so you probably had two but these are oh, tiny maybe. little glasses <laughs> and the bottle is only half Empty. It is a very rich a, dessert. Yeah, yeah. Yep, it is. Very, very rich. It's so, not really a podcast type of drink, but you know. I mean, you can't exactly like chug a chip in the bottle because like, that would no. just cause instant diabetes. Seriously. <laughs> <Instant laughs> I don't even want to know how much sugar is in that. I just had the silliest thought like, would this be nice with the cinnamon roll? <laughs> like, you have like a nice little, no. like, bougie too cinnamon much roll. Sweet. <laughs> too much sweet. I think it'd be too much sweet. That would be diabetes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I feel like I need like a cup of coffee as my chaser with us. Ooh, that actually sounds quite nice. Actually, <laughs> maybe coffee's in order. Ooh, yeah. hey, but... hey, can we get some coffee? <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Well, this, this has, has been, been Cinema Hangover. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. See ya. Later. Peace. Hey everyone, if you want more Cinema Hangover, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We also post episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you have any movie suggestions or questions, drop a comment on any of our social medias. Also, if you have any drink recommendations, be sure to let us know. And again, thank you for listening.